Welcome to Feeling Asian, a podcast where two Asians talk about their feelings. I'm Young Me Mayor. And I am Brian Park. You know, Brian, I was thinking that. Why don't you ever do the intro? I think I did in the beginning and then we switched it up. Yeah. Wow. So you have a more soothing, (laughs) uh, you know, I, your words, not mine. And for good reason, (laughs) (laughs) you have a nicer voice than me. We don't want to scare off the listeners. I do not think that because I, I listen to the episodes when they come out and I feel like Brian, you have like an ASMR voice. I feel like you can do voice acting. Interesting. Well, yeah. when I edit these episodes, I have a terrible vocal fry. When I zoom in, it's all jaggedy as hell, my frequencies. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm very pro really can't vocal take fry. a compliment, huh? Just being super Asian today? Welcome to feeling like Asian. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do our Patreon shout outs because I'm really excited about our guests. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, just a quick <laughs> reminder, if you like our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash feeling Asian. We have different subscription tiers and any donation amount gets you a shout out on the podcast where young me and I guess who you are based on your name alone. And without further ado, young me, are you ready for our first Patreon shout out? Yes. Our first shout out goes to Emily Chen. <laughs> Emily Chen. I see, I see like a little, I, what is that? Isn't there like a famous comic character that's like a little like cute girl with like a little bob and she's Asian called like Emily something? <laughs> I see that. Call, Am I making called this up? Emily Chen. I think you 100%. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> right? She has like a little dog or something. <laughs> I have no idea. This is an American comic. I think it might be like Asian and then they like, they like, (laughs) what's the word? Transcribe? Translate. Okay. Translated it. God, I really should drink my coffee. (laughs) Am I making that up? There's like a little Asian comic book character, Emily. That's what Uh I'm seeing. Little round glasses, bangs, this cute little pet dog. (laughs) That's the vibe I'm getting. So like a PG version of Go-Go from Kill Bill. Yes. <laughs> these, these are just really racist stereotypes that we're throwing out. My God. Yeah. I feel like you just described a very like loose, blurry stock image photo version of an Asian, <laughs> of an Asian comic woman. with a female protagonist. You know that comic book with an Asian girl named Emily who's cute with a bob and glasses like and a cute little Emily- dog. <laughs> Emily I think Chen it's, I think like it's the called stock Emily photo Chen. when you Google Asian woman. <laughs> so bad. Uh, well, Emily Chen, let us know if our... I think it's contingent on this comic book existing, but either way, let us know if we are accurate. Um, our second shout out goes to Henry W. Ng. Last name is N-G. Mm. Henry W. Where, Ng. Where, what? What nationality is that last name from? Do you know? I think, I think Vietnamese. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I think Vietnamese. I think Henry is very rich because he <laughs> included his middle initial. Henry Wing. Nice, w, yeah. w means yeah. well wealthy. But it's W it's stands number, for <laughs> W stands for wealthy. Henry Wing. Well, I'm gonna guess that Henry Wing no. was. He made the final callback of Bling Empire. 
Like he's living in that Los Angeles, <laughs> super rich, like just missed the cut, but he hangs out with all those people. <laughs> I, I have not watched that yet. Do you watch that show, Ryan? Yeah, I saw it when I had COVID. <laughs> it started as yeah. a hate watch and then by the end of it, I was crying. <laughs> really? I was fully, fully wow. invested, fully invested in it. <laughs> I I just heard about the controversy where one of the people is that Blink because I know there's two reality shows that are very similar but I think it's that one where one of the women yeah her, like her dad she, funded the <laughs> Vietnam War and just a lot of atrocities but yikes you know, I think when you reach a certain level of wealth people just don't give a shit how you made that money because let's be honest, when you are the 1% yeah. of the 1%, it's through often through nefarious means. You're not being a good Samaritan. I don't think there's Samaritan. any, yeah. <laughs> there are no billionaires with like no blood on their hands. It's like <laughs> that family that invented uh, Oxycontin or whatever. Like, yo, a lot of people died because of you, but enjoy your swing pool, man. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's not Henry. Henry, Henry is rich because... <laughs> Henry's rich because he owns a chain of hibachi restaurants. I mean, isn't that literally That's better Steve than Aoki's dad, Rocky <laughs> <laughs> Aoki, who thinking. founded Benihana? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um... Either way, Henry, thank you for your donation. Uh, it's okay if there's blood on this money. <laughs> um, our last shout out for this episode goes to... <laughs> We're so awkward. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our last, last shout out person. goes to Chris Wen. Uh, I'm getting Chris extremely Wen. hot vibes. <laughs> I'm and getting also, hot vibes too. Kaktugi Mori. <laughs> do, you, do you know Kaktugi Mori? What's Kaktugi Mori? is that kimchi, the square kimchi. The radish kimchi, yeah. Yeah. And they call, if you are if you have like a military haircut, they call you Kaktugi Mori because your head is square. <laughs> That's so, what I'm seeing. <laughs> so basically, uh, guile like, from like Street Fighter rat. hair. Yeah. Yes. Like a gym mm. rat. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, okay, so I think you're right. Chris Wen is incredibly hot. Now, Kevin yeah. Wen is the meme of the fuckboy Asian. Oh, Chris, right, yeah. Chris Wen, super hot, super kind, perfect all around. Only weakness is could have a better haircut, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Only weakness. He listens to Tame Impala. <laughs> That's not a weakness. I, I'm guilty as charged. <laughs> I listened to Tame Impala. And have I gotten over my breakup? I don't know. But I keep listening I, to the album. <laughs> that was a subtweet of Brian. Brian really likes Tame Impala, which you know what? I do too. Who doesn't? Let's be honest. Hey, I don't give a shit. I'm proud. Yeah. On my Tinder profile, my song is a Tame Impala song. I'm indie. I don't give a shit. Sorry, you can't handle me. I'm indie. Whatever. <laughs> I'm laughing because Brian is literally the least indie person in the world. <laughs> like the fact that the music has reached Brian, that's when you know you're a mainstream band. <laughs> yeah, that's what's if up. Brian's heard of you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to get a tattoo of the Joy Division album cover, but I decided to get the one of Currents instead. I'm indie. Nice. It's chill. Have you ever heard of Tame Impala? <laughs> oh, man. Those are our shout outs. I feel like we've lost some subscribers, but 
This is for us, young me. <laughs> we do it for for us. We do it for us. Should we introduce our guest? Yeah, I think it's a I'm good so time. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited. Guys, we have an incredibly, incredibly talented and wonderful guest for you all this week. Well, she is a multi-hyphenate. Um, she has a new album under her music project, Japanese Breakfast, coming out in June. And she's also an author. She has a new book coming out later this month titled Crying in H-Mart. Everyone, please give your ears to Michelle Zahner. Hello. I don't know why I'm waving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I always wave. I'm like, they'll hear um, this. <laughs> you got to wave so enthusiastically that they hear you waving. Yeah. That's an Asian thing. That, that you're <laughs> no, one, no one knows what we're just frantically waving at each other now. <laughs> um, I'm so excited that you're here, Michelle. I'm excited yeah. too. I'm a big fan, <laughs> so I was a little nervous, to be honest. <gasps> wow. Really? You don't know. I was like, I actually, I'm nervous. I, I feel like I met Young Me at a, a comedy show like year year ago or like two years ago. I guess I would have been like maybe two years ago. Do you remember? Do you not remember? Yeah, uh, uh, I remember. Of I, course, I, I remember. <laughs> Um, I, I like followed. I remember I followed, uh, young me on Instagram, like a long time ago, my friend and I were like fans, uh, starting with like all the cute photos you'd post of Mino. We would like share like, Oh, like Mino is so cute. And she posted another photo. And so we would like be weird, like, uh, fans. And then when we like saw you get into comedy and then we were like, Oh, we should go see her. And so I, we went to go see you and, um, yeah, I've just been like a, long distance fan, I feel like. So I'm like a weirdly kind of, no, kind of nervous to be on the show. <laughs> wow. wow. That's so crazy because you're like famous. I'm just like, yeah. I just like repost chaotic slut memes. Yummy, I feel like you're, you're becoming so <laughs> That's famous weird though. It's been, it's been, it's I am been exciting well, to see your, your, your journey, you know, from afar as a fan. Thank you. I'm, I am well known on TikTok, yeah. which is something I did not plan for myself. That's amazing. But uh, here, here, here we are at 36 years old. <laughs> I'm nervous because both of you are incredibly accomplished. And the whole reason why I said that I'm indie and I like Tame Impala was to endear myself to both of you. <laughs> That's the, ain't that the truth? Yeah, I, know. I love that. I can, Tame, I can Tame hang. Impala, Tame Impala is like a main stage, like Coachella headliner. <laughs> like an indie band. <laughs> Brian's like, oh. have you heard of this band? It's um, called band. Tame Impala. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you heard of the Strokes? <laughs> That's kind of a vintage indie vibe. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm weird. I listen to this band called Radiohead. Have you heard of it? <laughs> That's so um, mean. Well, Michelle, we're really excited to have you on the podcast. And before we ask you how you feel, Young me, how are you feeling? Oh my God, sorry. My dog just jumped and now she's stuck in the... Don't edit that out. That was real life, everyone. You can't plan that. That's you can't some, plan that. No. That's some feeling Asian raw right there. <laughs> it's for the bloopers. Um, no, I, how am I feeling? Well, I guess we just recorded the other night and I feel like I got a lot off my chest already. Um... I guess I'm feeling, oh, am I feel, I'm feeling so tired. 
Well, this mm. is something that's been happening that I have not talked about yet. I am like really struggling with um, insomnia oh, on shit. a level on a level that I've like never really struggled with in my life. Like I've obviously always had a hard time going to sleep because, you know, I like give into distractions a lot. But yeah. once I'm asleep, I can just sleep. You know what I mean? But hmm. recently I have had a hard time falling asleep and then also I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I just can't sleep. So I feel like I've been going on, I mean, since I think since quarantine, regularly I'll get four hours of sleep a night. Holy like that shit. is normal. And um, I rarely take naps. So yeah. that's just like almost every day. And I'm just like, wow, like what is this doing to my body, hmm. you know? And every once in a while, I'll just be like, I should try to sleep. Um, and then I will take a nap, but then I almost feel worse. I don't know what to do. Um, and my muscles are really extremely tight and sore. Like I clench my jaw at night. And mm. a lot of times now I will wake up in the middle of the night with like a really sore face and it hurts so much that I can't go back to bed. Like that's what's keeping me up. Damn. And... Um, I guess the reason that I kind of always wanted to talk about it on the podcast and I haven't brought it up is that that's just like, in my mind, I feel like my personality is like, no matter how stressed out I am, I, I kind of feel like I'm okay. Like, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm totally fine. Like, yeah, this is, I'm stressed out, but I'm okay. You know? Yeah. Um, but I guess the reason why I wanted to bring that up is like, my body is telling me like, you're not okay. You're really stressed out. And, um, it's almost like the first time in my life that I've been able to see that, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, like I can't even move my neck cause it's so tight and I can't mm. sleep at all. Cause in my mind, I'm like, I'm fine. Like I'm, yeah, I'm stressed out and I have all these problems yeah. and like, financial problems and what's going on with the world. I, yeah, I'm definitely stressed out, but like, I'm right. totally fine. Like that's what's, that's my internal like monologue. Like I'm fine. Like I'm handling this very well. And then I'm like, yeah, my face hurts so much that I can't sleep. <laughs> like it's like that's super wild. weird. Yeah. No, cause yeah. you know, we, we hang out pretty frequently and I, I never would have guessed that about you. You always seem like yeah. someone who is well rested and ready to, take on the world and fuck shit up. But meanwhile, it's I've, nice. I've just learned that you are full insomnia and that must be incredibly yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's weird that I, and also, um, it's cause my skin looks good, Brian. It's my skincare routine. I was You're getting, like, wow, I, was getting there. I was getting hours. there. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was getting there. It's all the lotions. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, Oh, but I did, I just want to say this. I don't know if people know about this. I think I've talked yeah. about this on the podcast. I, I have like this TMJ issue. So mm. I get Botox in like in the jaw muscles as like a medical procedure not nice. a cosmetic procedure. And so I'm going tomorrow. So I was like fantasizing that I'm going to get, get it tomorrow. And then I'm just going to like sleep for 10 hours tomorrow night. Cause like my <laughs> face will feel so bad. So if, if anyone has like that clenching jaw thing, you should look into getting Botox and it's covered by insurance. Cause it's wow. not cosmetic. Yeah. Some, that's, sometimes that's very Korean of you. Like I finally got my Botox and now I can rest peacefully. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I'm feeling. I'm excited to get Botox tomorrow. How are you feeling, Brian? <laughs> it all um, really works. Yeah. 
I've, I don't know if I've talked about this yet on the podcast, but mm. um, ever since I had COVID, I get these anxiety attacks and heart palpitations and they're still happening. It's fucking, it's yeah. so weird. And yeah, it happened to me yesterday. I was actually on a date and I was just like being a total weirdo and I felt bad because she was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm not okay. I feel like my heart is going to stop and I am so anxious right now. And yeah, the frequency at which I'm getting these anxiety attacks or these like heart palpitation episodes is so much, it's like spiked up and I'm mm. pretty sure it's like a long haul COVID issue, but who the fuck knows? It's just a lot of shit going on in this world. So that's kind of how I'm feeling. I feel a little bit disassociated from myself mentally. Like it's a weird mm. thing where it's this like persistent anxiety and just self analyzation, like from above. Like I feel like I'm a sim. Like I can just, I'm like analyzing myself from like a third party perspective. And at night it gets like bad. Yeah. So um, that's what's been, I had it coming for me. The last episode I was recording in the Hamptons and talking about how chill <laughs> vibes I was and you know, life is pain and I was due for a panic attack. That's such an Asian <laughs> thing. Like, oh, I deserve, I deserve this like <laughs> negative emotion because I had fun I, last weekend. So I deserve it. I did this to myself. <laughs> Yeah. It's my fault, that's, and I'm okay that's with true, that. But, <laughs> I think that's true, but I yeah. know how you could feel that way. Michelle, how are you feeling? Um, I am feeling lots of things, I guess. I'm really excited about my book that's coming out soon and my album that's coming out soon. I basically felt like really creatively like constipated for like the past year because uh, I had like these huge projects that... um. Well, the album was pushed back a year and, and it felt like I couldn't really work on anything new until they came out. So it's like an exciting time mm. for me. But I'm also feeling really stressed and, and anxious, I guess. Um, I think like, well, one thing is like I, I've always really thrived um, being really busy. And I think especially after my mom passed away, I like put so much stock in like, mm. a, like mm -hmm. a really intense work ethic as my kind of like, like my like flotation device or whatever. Like that was like mm. how I um, kind of anchored myself was just like working really hard and be staying really busy all the time, which is like not the worst thing to, to do. But now that I think I haven't done anything for so long and like, um, you know, it's been like a year where like we haven't toured or anything. And now I'm doing like nine mm. interviews about these projects a day. And then like, we're thinking about, announcing a tour in the fall. And I'm very anxious about mm -hmm. how people are going to like respond to that. Um, that's how I'm feeling. I also, I got my first uh, Pfizer dose uh, a couple of days ago and mm -hmm. I've noticed I've had really, <laughs> I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is because of this, but I've noticed that I've had um, like really bad body odor <laughs> like the past couple of days. Oh. I don't know if it's like, Whoa. I don't know if it's because I'm like doing interviews all the time and I'm like simultaneously like cold and sweaty and mm. like 
very mm-hmm. on all the time that it's just like making me yeah. like a nervous, like like a skunk, like an emitting. Sweat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that has like a certain smell or I something. Get that. But I, it's either that yeah. or it's like, I don't know if it like had to do with this because dose, because I've been doing interviews in, in Brooklyn and, and I haven't had this experience. So I, I don't know <laughs> what's going on. Maybe it's just because I forgot my deodorant oh, here, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's Wait, wild. Can I, can I ask you something that I like did not think about at all yeah. until you started talking? Yes. So, um, when was the last time you performed? It was um, like a real show was December twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. So I Damn. I just because re- you know Brian and I did stand up comedy until the quarantine, mm-hmm. and now that I'm like slowly booking comedy shows, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. Like, it seems so because sk- I haven't done it in like over a year as well. How are you? How are you feeling about having to perform again? I feel like to do comedy, it's like, I mean, it's so social, you know, <laughs> like it's like you have to, it's so dependent on how people are responding. And like, it's the most like vulnerable, scary thing to me to do what you guys do. Um, for me, it's like I perform with a group, you know? And so like, we're able to Mm. like rehearse and like, there's a lot to like, kind of, I don't have to really be myself. You know what I mean? I don't really have to be a person. I'm like this vehicle (laughs) of like sound, you know, like it feels less scary to me Mm. than I think that what you guys have have to do. Um, I'm really just looking forward to it. I'm just nervous. Cause like, Mm. you know, the indie community, especially is like, you know, obviously like we won't do a show if it's not safe. Like if we're still in this and like, you know, the vaccinations aren't where they need to be. The response to the vaccinations for some reason isn't where it needs to be. Like, I think everyone's used to get things getting canceled and things getting moved. But I think sometimes it's really aggravating that the indie community is like really harsh with one another. And like, so, Mm. you know, I've seen a lot of commentary of like, Mm. you know, everyone's going to feel awful if they like kill people when they do these shows. Cause these shows are really big, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And Mm -hmm. a lot, you know, we're planning for them to be indoors. So I'm, I'm definitely feeling really like scared and, uh, conflicted about that because I'm like, am I going to kill people? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't want that responsibility, but it's just so like, <laughs> you know, uh, I have to believe, I have to like have hope that like, you know, the vaccine rollout it seems to be going pretty well. And like, they're saying yeah. that everyone will be eligible like this week. Um, you know, these shows are like three mm. months away. Like we have to plan them, but I yeah. have yeah, like yeah. so much anxiety about um, how, you know, if, if, I don't want to put yeah. people at risk. Super like, spreader. I don't, yeah, I don't want to be a super spreader. Like, but I mean, but, why? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I, I uh, obviously we're like not out of the thick of it at all. So it's really scary to see these kinds of things getting announced. But um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I have to say, if if I got COVID from a Japanese breakfast concert, <laughs> I would be way more okay with that than getting it from a stand up comedy show. That's for sure. For sure. <laughs> I'd be like that. It's okay. It was worth it. <laughs> I just want to say that when you were talking about the indie community, um, I really got that because <laughs> I listened to Tame Impala. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm following. I know what that's like. As a, I know what that's like, like. You mean in our community, we don't want our community to get COVID. <laughs> I, I just, okay. So before we um, talk about your book, I just want to, just as a quick aside, uh, one thing that I'm jealous of of musicians is that 
you know, as comedians, we were like mentally ill and we want laughs, but for musicians, it's like a different audience expectation and musicians are always fucking hilarious because you know, you, you rock out, you make amazing music and then you can just say anything and the audience is like, yes. (laughs) Like, um, I think one of the last concerts I went to was uh, the the indie band Tame Impala at, at the low key venue Madison Square Garden, <laughs> and um, Kevin Parker was there. Um, not, I would does say he does not like have a funny guy. I would say does Kevin not Parker. have the stage presence and charisma to really fill up Madison Square Garden. But he was just walking around, moping around, just being like, "Yeah, you guys are chill," and everyone's like. <laughs> I love that. Killing it. Yeah, absolutely crushing. Um, <laughs> My God. But we want to uh, we want to talk about your book, Crying in well, H Mart. Yeah. So I got you sent me the book, so I had a chance to read it. Brian has not yet read it, um, but he did read the article that it was based on. Yeah, I read the New Yorker piece, and a lot of tears were shed, and I shared <laughs> I it say, on I Instagram. I shared it. I made uh, it. I posted like, it after I shared a like, Tim and Paula song on Instagram. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of her? <laughs> yeah. So I was telling Brian before you joined us on this call um, that obvious. I have a lot of feelings about your book, and I want to hear. Um, I, I guess it's like hard because obviously it's about you know your mother your mother passing away and it's about grief and that's like a really intense subject, but like, that's what the book's about. So, um, but I, I wanted to talk about how crazy, like eerily similar your life story sounds like to mine, because in case our listeners don't know, you're biracial, your dad's white and your mom's Korean, um, which is, you know, me and I'm sure a lot of other Asian Americans that are listening to this. Um, but like your stories about like going back to Korea and like how your family interacted with you and like things that they were saying and things that you would do with them. I was like, this is literally my exact same story. That's so um, nice to hear. I was like most afraid of like people with similar experience. I was most afraid of like the Korean reader and particularly like the mm. half Korean reader, I feel like. And so it's been really comforting to hear that like I'm not. You know, you start like getting in your head where you're like, am I just wrong? Like, do I not even know my own like <laughs> life or like race, you know? And so like I had so much fear uh, of mm. of like people like you, honestly, like reading this book and being like, what is she talking? Like she's like making this up or something. I like gaslit myself mm. by it. Oh, but like uh, it's really comforting <laughs> to hear that because, you know, I felt that way a lot about yeah. like some of your comedy too and like. It, it honestly, like, uh, I feel like I was still writing this book when I maybe saw your comedy and like so, so much mm. of like what I feel like is not talked about is like, and what I really wanted to capture in the book was this like very unique cruelty of like a Korean mom. Uh, that's like, you know, yeah. I, I, I like hated growing up and like, I th- I'm sure that it was like, it's different. I'm obviously we're not like a monolith, but like, um, you know, I think that the, that there was such a specific cruelty to my mother that for so long I thought was just like her character, like her individual yeah. character that I realized uh-huh. like largely because of the online community sort of beginning to share these types of stories is that it's a really cultural thing, you know, like. Mm. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not even joking. The things that your mom, my mom, I like the things that your mom said to you, exactly the mm-hmm. same things that my mom would say. Yeah. Um, And it's like, 
it's crazy reading this book because I'm just like, is this, did I write this book? <laughs> like, I'm just like, wait a minute. That's literally what happened to me. Yeah, yeah. There was this great, yeah, there's this great part that I actually wanted to talk to you because it's a little bit of a lighter subject. And I think it's really interesting. Um, there's this part um, about this time when you went to Korea and like as a young teenager and you realize you say, oh, I made this like pleasant discovery that I'm considered very attractive there. Mm. And like you talk mm. about because your face is small and, you know, like these popular like you have a double eyelid naturally. And these are like very popular like beauty standards in Korea and how somebody approached you ask you know like a manager because you're it was like a like a film shoot or something or the director or something and he gave your mom his card and your mom like immediately shot him down mm -hmm. and then later you understood like sort of why because she was like being protective of you and blah 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 and you make this like really wonderful like analogy of that, that alligator or something like <laughs> yeah. you went to like a restaurant there was an alligator in the fish tank yeah, and yeah. one day it like got too big and they just like threw it away or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my um, god <laughs> it was really it was really amazing but i i swear to god that specific incident happened to me what like, if it was the same to guy to the t it was like looking yeah, it was for the same a guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I just it's see just, a half Korean like it's like my next lead. <laughs> um, but even um, I guess my question about that part of the book was: so what do you, what do you think about the fact that these like standards of beauty are sort of like uh, I like I don't want to like too much like steer the conversation a certain way because I really want your like your opinion mm -hmm. what do you think about the fact that these standards of beauty are considered maybe like european or like you have these standards of beauty because you're mixed like you're half white like how do you feel about that um i mean at the time i just like thought it was delightful you know <laughs> like i think that i don't know if you had this experience but like as a child, like I always felt really, I did feel really special. Like I felt like I did have the best of both worlds and it was like a really cool thing to be mixed. And then it wasn't until I was a teenager really that I started to feel like some sort of shame or like embarrassment of, of being half mm. or just like, I think the biggest like anxiety for me is that I growing up was like, I always, I didn't want anyone to like put anything on me before they got to, to know me or something. You know what I mean? Like if I was at, a, if I grew mm. up in a 95% Caucasian town, I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. And I never, for some reason, just knowing that I could be at a party and someone could ask my friend like, oh, who did you come with? I'd be, oh, it's the Asian girl. Like even that was like disgusting to, like, mm. to me. Like I didn't want, I wanted to be mm. a neutral body. Like I wanted to be every, I, mm. I didn't want anyone to assume anything about me because it felt, um, it just gave me so much anxiety and, and shame. And so even like when I was younger, like my name is Michelle Zahner. There's nothing Asian about Michelle Zahner. Right. But my middle name was <laughs> Chung Mi, which was my mom's name. And it was so sad in retrospect mm. that I used to say, I don't have a middle name. Cause I was like, oh, it's chic. Like, mm. you know, no one can assume anything about me if I'm Michelle Zahner, but they can right. assume something about me when I'm Michelle Chung Mi's honor. And also people would like call yeah. my mom like Chow Main and stuff like that. I was like, I don't oh, like Jesus. want, I don't want that to be, uh, I don't want to be associated with it. I want, I want no one to know going in like what I look like or, or anything. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was that age, I didn't think anything of it, you know, like we, there, this discourse like didn't exist of like how complicated mm -hmm. that is. But I will say like, as an yeah. adult going back to Korea, I don't feel attractive now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I definitely don't <laughs> feel like the things that, um, 
you know, I think that the things that are like Western looking about me aren't things that are really ap- appealing to, to that culture anymore. Like even when I go to Korea now, I feel like that. Yeah. Like I go yeah. to Korea now and I like, I'm like, how do they know that I'm not Korean? And it's like, oh, it's a lot to do with like, obviously like we have tattoos and like um, we wear hair a certain way and like the clothes that we wear. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are a lot of like pastels mm-hmm. <laughs> in Korea. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Like I, uh, yeah, I mean, I just didn't think about it that much. I, I think that there are certain, you know, like Western things that, Korean people aspire to, but there's also a lot of Western things that they don't aspire to, you know, I mean, you don't see people emulating yeah, yeah. like Kim yep. Kardashians over there and stuff like that. They don't wear their makeup super heavy with like no, a lot of contour and like, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that it's, it's not, you know, they do pick and choose like what they, you know, like about it, you know? Yeah. Right. Cause like also like, you know, I'm you are like a yeah. big thing here. I don't feel like it's as like big of a deal over there. No. They're like anti big yeah, lips. Which is good. I'm glad that you brought that up because I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because every time you read an article about Korean plastic surgery in America, it's like they're trying really hard to look white. And it's like, no, they're not. Right, right. They're like, they definitely don't like if if they were attempting to be white passing, why don't all the Korean celebrities look like Gwyneth Paltrow? Because mm-hmm. they have the technology to do that. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, you know, like they're not, they're obviously just trying to look like this like idea of like an extremely attractive Asian person. Yeah. I don't know where that those, means. where that, com- that like ideal comes from historically, but yeah. it doesn't feel right. like, um, I mean, well, these were just things yeah. I heard what, when I was younger. I mean, like there are a lot of Asian people with small faces. It's not like an exclusively right. Western yeah, yeah. thing. There's a lot of Western people exactly. with huge ass faces. So, you know. <laughs> I think I think white people are confused because Koreans and other East Asians are so obsessed with being white. They yeah. think that that means Caucasian, but what they mean is like translucent, like mm. clear, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. white, like the wall. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like blend in with the yeah, wall yeah. white. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, um, it's like a different. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Um, Michelle, so, you know, looking at your work, like your your two albums and this new book coming out, Crying in H Mart, um, it seems that grief is uh, informs a lot of your work, um, you know, from the passing of your mother. And I'm wondering, like, what are some misconceptions about grief that are portrayed in popular media that really annoy you or just about the feeling and experience of it all? I think a big reason why I felt like I wanted to write this book or like so much of the process of living as a caretaker for six months in Eugene, Mm. I had like Mm -hmm. so much anger and shock at like, Mm. and a lot of the book is honestly, it's very intense and it's very graphic at times. Uh, And it goes, Mm. it was important to me, I guess, to like present like, the horrific detail of what happens when someone dies or when someone's health deteriorates. And I think it was Mm. largely because I felt so angry that I, no one warned me that that's like what it could look like. Um, I, I felt Mm -hmm. very ill prepared, um, for the process of, of watching my mom's health deteriorate. I I felt really unprepared for when she died. Um, And I was just like, why doesn't Mm. anyone tell you about this? You know, I felt very angry. Mm. So I had this real sense of urgency in part to write this book to really show what it looks like because I wanted, you know, Mm -hmm. I I think part of it is just like, you know, I think every culture like has a difficult time talking about death and like the ugly parts of like the human body and what happens and all that. But for instance, like, Mm -hmm. like no one, I didn't, 
I didn't know about like rigor mortis. Like I didn't know mm. that that was something that happened and like I needed to talk about it, you know, like, and I needed to like talk about all the, the symptoms that happens. And also no one knows that like, you know, a lot of the times in the media, it's like someone just like closes their eyes. They're like, I love you. And like, know that like, I'll always be with you. You know what I mean? That's like, just yeah, 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 happens, you know, it's a very slow, really painful process of, of, you know, like someone losing like function by function. And, uh, it oh. just felt, I just felt like I had to talk about it. That for me was like an, an overshare thing that I needed to go into to like, let go of, I think. You know, you know what I feel about that's like, I feel like similarly that no one actually really talks about in a realistic way, birth, mm. which is interesting because mm. it's like, you know, technically they're opposite ends of the, like, there's so many things like, cause even to this day, there's so many like now women that women are allowed to write yeah, and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> there are lots of, <laughs> we're allowed to go outside. Yeah. Um, you know, like they, there's so many writers and women that talk about it and stuff like that. But like in popular media, like what you were saying about the, they're going to close, they close their eyes and then they're mm-hmm. dead or, um, that's like how birth is portrayed in movies. You know, the woman's like screaming for five minutes and then there's a baby yeah. and it's, you know, like, um, but it was the same sort of thing. Like I, there's, it's so weird how those sort of big events, humans don't really want to think about the mm-hmm. nitty gritty part. I want to know personally. <laughs> like, I've, uh, no, you don't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, the birth I mean, thing is interesting to too. Cause then you're, now, but like, yeah, yeah. I, do, I do like, I want to know that kind of stuff, especially like as, uh, you know, I'm in my thirties. I want to have a kid eventually. I want to know like yeah. what happens, you know, I find myself like way more yeah. fascinated right. about that kind of stuff than ever. But before. then I found yeah. myself like you, like I, I was like, when I was going through it, I was like, why doesn't anyone talk about this? Yeah. Like I'm going crazy, yeah. Yeah. you know, like yeah. this is, <laughs> then you feel really alone. Yeah. <laughs> you feel alone in a process that every single person goes through yeah. it's but so bizarre yeah. right Everyone i'm really glad like, that you wrote about that oh thank you no the thing about the death thing is that it's not even like because obviously this is like an asian podcast it's not even like an asian thing really it's uh, every culture is kind of like yeah like let's not talk right. about that so you know that was a personal grief that you were experiencing. It informed your work. Um, mm. And I guess what I'm curious is in light of recent events, uh, it, it, it's palpable. It feels like a lot of Asian, Amer- Asian Americans in this country are going through like a collective grieving where like mm. the new cycle is very triggering and um, we're all like processing and expressing ourselves uh, in our own ways. And uh, how is that? for you where, you know, I feel like for many years, your, your personal grief informed your artwork. And then now you're sort of thrust into this new space where there's like a collective grieving that's happening all around us. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because it's a very different type of grief, you know, and I had like a lot Mm -hmm. of anxiety of like, how am I, you know, in the same way that grief can happen where you have this anxiety of like, am I feeling the right thing? Did I like love this person enough? Like, I remember when I went to Mm. my mom's like funeral and being like, am I going to cry? Like, what the fuck if I don't cry at like my mom's funeral? Like everyone's going to think I'm this like horrible daughter. And, and all this anxiety happens. Like similarly, I think that there's this like real anxiety about like what you're supposed to feel right now. Uh, and there's this constant feeling of like, am I not a good enough Asian if I'm not feeling like this certain type of way or talking about this in a certain type of way. And it's a really new thing for a lot of us. I feel like, I mean, I, 
after the shooting, I did like eight interviews and it was like thrust on me really like unexpectedly. Yeah. And I felt, I did like mm -hmm. this entertainment, like it was like, what is it called? <laughs> entertainment tonight or whatever in Canada. And this woman's just like, so tell me about like, you know, how are you feeling after like the shooting? Oh and, all that stuff. and I was just like, like, I can't <laughs> even, um, and you know, it's just frustrating because I feel like, you know, I, I as an artist, like you don't really, um, anticipate like the kind of platform that you're going to have or like what your role is in all of this. And I really want to be like someone yeah. that's courageous and has like a great thing to say and like uses my platform <sighs> and like yeah. directs people to action and all this stuff. But it was also like a lot, I, I also, you know, felt very distant from a lot of my peers. Like I, you know, I was seeing a lot mm -hmm. of my friends being like, stop, like this needs to stop, stop doing this to us. And it's like, who follows you that you know who are you talking to like does someone follow you that's like doing this like why are you saying this or like some people would be like you need to check in on your AAPI friends and it's like I don't want white people to like be texting me right now it's like a lot of my people like friends I never talk to or all of a sudden like how are you feeling it's like I don't it's more labor yeah. for me to tell you how I'm feeling yeah. um, than yeah. it is for me to just like ignore you um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know the right thing to say and it get really like frustrated with myself because I, I just haven't known mm. how to respond or like, I, I'm the type of person that's really like, I really like to rally around like one direct way that I think that we can accomplish mm -hmm. something. And I don't think that this yeah. is, there is anything in this situation beyond this real reckoning that I think a lot of Asian American people are happening of just like, we are so shy about talking about this or we feel like we don't deserve yeah. to take up any space or that it's not real enough or that they're just microaggressions and not real. Um, you know, even I felt that way, you know, like I, and, mm. and right. I do, I have heard a lot of stories. I luckily haven't had this in my life, but of, of, yeah. of, um, and maybe it's because my mom is, it was Korean and had a white husband. Uh, and we grew yeah. up in a really like hippy dippy, like on the surface, like very liberal environment, safe environment. Um, right. That it might've been different, but I do have a lot of friends who've told me that like their brother or their parents like have been like assaulted in this way. And there are a lot more um, hate crimes than people are aware of. But I think like um, maybe like our parents' generation, a lot of them came here with the idea that like, uh, we're never going to fit in. And this is of course going to happen to us. They had like this kind of expectation of this. And a lot of the younger yeah. generation are like, no, I was born here or I was raised here. And like, they have more of this sense of like righteousness and entitlement in, in, a, in a positive way to be like, okay, yeah. no, mm -hmm. this is not something that we should have to live with. And we should talk about it. Yeah. 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 And I think it's such a great, what you brought up is so important and such a great point to, you know, mention is like, there is a certain anxiety that comes with this expectation to react a certain way to something, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. I have friends who similarly echoed your sentiment where they're like, I didn't cry like in light of the news, does that make me a bad Asian? And I've certainly been to funerals of family members where I feel like weird because I'm yeah, the only yeah. one not, you know, reacting a particular way. Yeah. Or you're so concerned about what the correct way is that you don't even know what you're actually feeling because you're like, what's, what's, what's the right way to do this? I, I feel the same way because I had like, 
I had this very emotional response to the shooting, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm just, a, I'm just a bitch. Like, I'm just making this about myself." <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I sh- "I'm being too emotional, yeah, and people yeah. are gonna think it's fake." Yeah, you know, like yeah. there's like, and I think that that's like a very Asian thing. Like when we're experiencing anything, we're always like doubting ourselves and being like, "Why am I doing this?" Yeah, you know, is this is this a, right I'll, or right, wrong? Which right. is silly because they're emotions, <laughs> right? Yeah. I definitely had a lot of that fear of like being performative and stuff like that. But then it was also like, I, yeah. you know, I think one of the things that made me, I, I think my, my immediate response is always like a- anger. Like I always like get very angry. Like that's my always mm. like initial response. And so I had a lot of anger that I was like, I don't want to use this to like promote my shit. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like mm. to be included. Yeah. I feel like a lot of like black writers too, like probably felt that during the black lives matter movement where it's just like, I don't feel great. Yeah that my book is a bestseller now, like off of the deaths of like, you know, black men. And similarly, I've seen some people be like, you know, support Asian American, like artists and musicians and writers like now more than ever. And it's just like, I don't feel great about that. You know, I feel like kind of gross. And so similarly, like when I get asked about this on like uh, interviews and stuff like that, not for stuff like this, but like, you know, other interviews where they're like, how do you feel? It's like, I know after this, you're going to interview like eight white people and no one's going to get asked if there's Mm -hmm. a white person shooting, like how they feel, what what to say to all of the white people. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) it's, that, yeah. that makes me kind of so uh, irritated. Yeah. I have to say that yeah. I've had like an influx of um, attention from like media, which mm, I, yeah. an influx meaning from zero to like three. And yeah. I'm like, no, it's been zero. <laughs> like, what, what, why are these Whoa. three people contacting me now? <laughs> I'm just b- bombarded by media. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And like, it's been zero all these years. Um, no, but like, and I know why, I know why they're talking to me. It's because there's two oh, yeah. Asian comedians that are, that identify as women in the entire city of New York city. And I'm just like, you already talked to the other one, so you, now you're gonna hear what I have to say. The, <laughs> like, the other one like, is Karen Chi, and she already yeah, talked yeah, about it on yeah. Seth Meyers. <laughs> and I was like, I know why you're talking I will to me, say and that this was is really a- cool. I mean, I do think like it was. Yeah. It, it really hit me when like Bo and Yang did it on SNL, and I would think it like yeah, oh, I think yeah, part yeah. of like what was yeah, so yeah. like overwhelming. I mean, obviously everything about it was overwhelming, but there was also this like whiplash right. moment where like Minari like just mm. got like nominated for all these Academy Awards. And then it was like, wow, look at us, look at us. Like, look how far we've come. And then like, you know, it was like, no, I mean the rest of the, in reality, this is what's happening. Yeah. 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 And so for the first time (laughs) I had like this real um, moment where like, I've always been like a real, like purist of like art. Like it is the all important thing. And like what I've always like Mm. felt purpose in, in my life. And it was the first time that I was like, are Mm -hmm. we doing anything? Like, is this important? You know, like our art, like, Oh, Mm -hmm. we're sharing Mm -hmm. our stories. Like, but we're still, you know, has that really led led people to reflect and like not kill us? You know, like, uh, it was the first time that I had that moment where I was like, is what I'm doing actually important? You know, like, should I be like out, you know, I should just like I mean, retire yeah. and become an organizer or something. That's oh, how I feel about myself, but I feel 100%. like but I feel like looking at you and like looking at Brian and this is like it's easier for me to be like, yes, both of you are extremely important. You we need your voices. But that's how I feel about myself. Right, like I right, can't right. do that for myself. Right, so I right. understand what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. But then looking at you, I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, of course you are. You're like an extremely yeah. 
popular, famous musician. You have a and book it, and means, a new yeah. album coming out I know, but within I feel like, like it's a so, two month span. I've never felt more non-essential yeah. than this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, I can't imagine my little, my yeah. little art. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme. It's like I, every day I wake up and do my little silly songs. Or <laughs> I don't even, but, um, I'm in helping. No, but I, I, I just want to say <laughs> I'm helping. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I shared a meme. <laughs> that's that's my impersonation of me. Um, no, I was going to say, I can't imagine how much of an impact that you have on Asian American people and Asian people in America. Like, I just, I can't imagine that impact. Just like you being successful and just doing what you want to do. That that's That's enough. That's also what Karen said. Let's talk about Karen again. She's so much smarter yeah. than us. Um, she's like, <laughs> not us. I meant me. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but you know, like, that's what she said. Like just being an Asian person and doing your life, just living your life, you're being an Asian American. There is no like right way to but do secretly, it. secretly so. Karen's like, yeah. I'm not doing enough. <laughs> <laughs> Karen. Yeah. She's like, I'm one of the top comedy writers in America. That's like, well, that's like you. You're like one of the like most famous musicians. You're like, I'm not enough. Like, come on. Come on. Relax. What I'm curious, and maybe you can speak to this, Michelle, is, you know, I am, my parents are both Korean and uh, we've had a lot of biracial guests on this podcast before where they've ex expressed the same uh, sentiment where it is, it's a challenge to have to navigate two different cultures. And my feeling is that it must be hard to lose a parent, especially as a biracial person. And that, that whole culture has almost become like disconnected now. Like they cut, the umbilical cord is cut. Um... Do you think, is there like truth to that in your experience where like it, 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 not only did you lose your mother, but it's almost like you're losing that side of your like identity in a way mm. or like you're, you're an opportunity to like rediscover it or stay connected with it. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. I mean, I think even, especially now where there's like so much more discourse out in the world of like, um, Korean-ness or Asian-ness or whatever, like. I feel like yeah. I could have just like, if at any point someone told me like something in the book is like, that's not a Korean thing or whatever. I could just call my mom and be like, mom, is this Korean? She'd be like, yes, it's Korean. And because my mom is like full <laughs> Korean, she was raised there. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, my mom says that that's like, that's how I know. Now it's like, I don't have that person in my life, you know? And like the, yeah. so, um, that's an anxiety. Uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely do feel like this anxiety about this in a way that I never felt before. I just always felt inherently like mm. Korean in a way because like my mom was around and then after she died, I was like, oh my God, I don't feel like as connected. Or like if I have children, like they won't have like a grand, like I, they won't have a full Korean person to like share that kind of right. thing with them, you know, like, and that makes me really mm -hmm. sad. I have to really work at it now. Like my mom would have known all of the things to like how to make all the things you're supposed to eat when you're pregnant or all the things that you give to a kid and, and that kind of thing. But I don't know any of that now. I have to like research it. I can't just like call my mom. And it feels really bizarre that I don't like just know those things. Mm -hmm. So I've, I feel like I've like called a lot of stuff into, into question. Like I have this anxiety now if I like um, don't like a specific Korean food or if I like don't eat kimchi for a week, I'm like, oh my God, I'm really like losing it or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's the secret everyone is mm. kimchi is how we keep our preserve our life force and our superpowers i do feel like <laughs> eat the kakdugi. i feel like i'll never feel fully uh i feel like i think i think if i were to write another book like i i am interested mm-hmm. in like living in korea for a year and actually becoming finally mm. fluent in the language because i i feel like that's a really natural um uh sort of point where I leave off where it's like, I, I, you know, I don't think you'll ever feel fully Korean because you're just not, you know, I think even Mm -hmm. if you're fully Korean American, like you probably, I'm sure like have, uh, or I know a lot of Korean American people who like don't feel fully Korean either because they were raised in in the U S or they didn't grow up in Korea. No, no. And there's like a lot of like, you know, Korean adoptees who are full Korean who like also, you know, don't feel fully Korean. So I think there's a lot of people who never like, similarly just never feel fully anything or whatever always like trying to do something to make them feel like a greater sense of belonging but i mean i know that i'm like really yeah. envious of you young me that you're fluent in korean and i feel like that's something that i i need to make a project out of otherwise it's never going to happen for me <laughs> well, i want to go i want to move to korea and live there with mino so he learns korean because yeah. he doesn't speak korean right yeah. now Let's go at the same yeah, time. We'll, we'll be like we'll be like a reality house. Brian can come too. Amazing. Like Big Brother yeah, Seoul. Yeah. yeah. Who's so gonna down. learn Korean yeah. first? Mino, yeah. Brian, or oh, Brian? Do you Michelle. do you not speak Korean? I speak Korean. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's gonna yeah. be Brian. Um, <laughs> no, but I, you know that's like obviously I think a lot of biracial people feel that way of like not being enough. Um, and then, you know, even Asian Americans, you know, like Brian's expressed that feeling too. So I think that's a really common feeling. I feel like that too, because I, I, even though I feel like I look very Korean, I don't read very Korean to Korean people. And so they are always like, Oh, you're foreign. And so even then I feel that way. So I think it's common. It's a beautiful thing. Cause I have these kinds of talks with my friends and, the adjective, we're not enough, we're not enough this, not enough that. And then we conclude, you know what? That is the essence of Koreanness yeah. is the feeling of not enough. Yeah. So we are Korean. <laughs> That's <laughs> how you know you're full Korean. circle, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Suffering and Suffering. feeling of not enough. Yeah. Michelle, before we let you go, uh, we like to ask this question to all of our guests. And that is, what is something that you're proud of? Oh my God. Um... I, I can't, I'm trying to like say something that isn't like directly work related because that's so lame. Um, the only thing I can think of is really cheesy, I guess. I think especially this year, I'm really proud that I've like taken some space um, and removed myself from negative environments um, and mm. people to like put my happiness and joy first. That was something that I did mm. uh, at the end of last year that was really hard for me. Um, and it's a, it's still something that I question a lot. And mm. But ultimately, I've been so much happier since I've done that. And I feel like I need to to be strong. And, and that's so serious, though. <laughs> but that is, that is what I'm, no. I'm proud of right now, I guess. Um, I'm very proud of... Uh, I'm very proud of my relationship. My marriage is like very strong and, and good and supportive. And, and I'm really glad that I, I have that in my life. And that's mm-hmm. something that I I think of as very precious and uh, has has grown into a really beautiful thing in my life. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, I'm not. Yeah. I, the thing that you said about removing yourself from a negative environment, I think that's that takes a lot of strength 
And I'm glad that you brought that up. That's not something that's easy to do. So I'm happy that you did that for yourself. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again, Michelle, for joining us on the podcast. And uh, for our listeners out there, uh, where can they find you and your work? Um, I'm at Jay Brecky. I'm at Jay Brecky um, is my is my handle. And your book is called Crying in H Mart. Yes, and um, it's out on four twenty. Is isn't it coming out like it's it's what, out on four twenty? Okay, nice. Yeah, it's so I'll, funny I'll be sure to take like, an edible my, and cry. Yeah, my agent was like, "What if it came out on Mother's Day?" we should pitch that to the publisher. And I was like, that is so beautiful. Like it's this really difficult day for me. It's like, I'm reclaiming that day. Like daughters can buy it for their mothers. And then the publisher was like, we think 420. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay. Or 420. (laughs) Or 420. (laughs) And what is the, and what is the title of your forthcoming album? It's called Jubilee. Jubilee. Yes. I saw your, I saw the music video for the single Be Sweet. It was awesome. Thank you. My X-Files <laughs> fan fiction. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, you guys know who she is. Michelle's on her Japanese breakfast. Go support her work. Go check it out. It's all fucking amazing. Uh, young me, where can our listeners find you and your fiery memes? Um, why am mayor on Instagram and Twitter and then young me mayor on TikTok? How about you, Brian? Uh, you guys can find me on socials at it's Brian Park. And once again, we have a social media for our podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Feeling Asian Podcast. And oh yeah, we have an audio engineer. She's wonderful. Her name is Sarah Pack. Find her on Instagram at I am underscore P-A-K-T. That's at impact. So hit her up for your audio related projects. And I think that's it. Right? Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> it was so great talking Thank to you. Thank you. Bye.